Hey fans, everybody, welcome to today's edition of the Nooch and Baca Show. Dave Finucci here with Mike Baca and a very special guest joining us here today, Alex Coffey, the Oakland Athletics beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, in my opinion, fast becoming the premier authority in sports writing. Mike, if you agree with me or there or not, they are a fantastic totally outlet yep. that uh, covers professional and college sports all across America. But, um, you know, we, uh, our show here, Mike, before we get to Alex, Nuchenbaka podcast can be hear, heard on uh, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, and of course we show the show on YouTube as well. But thanks again for joining us, Alex. It's a pleasure to have you on covering the Oakland A's as we talk about the A's baseball team here today. And they are off to a fantastic start this year at 12 and five, had a nine game winning streak coming into, into last night's play in Anaheim where they lost a tough one, 10 to nine to break the streak, had a nine, four lead in that game. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah. How do you think the uh, team has gotten off to a start this year? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I mean, obviously, um, a nine game winning streak when you multiply that by 2.7. I'm not going to do the math in my head, but I think it's somewhere in the 24 game range. So um, new record, new record now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good way to start things off. And one of the main questions heading into this season was, you know, the A's traditionally start off a little bit cold. So we weren't really sure which version of the A's we were going to see, whether we were going to see first half A's or second half A's. Um, and the first couple of games, it looked like we might be seeing like the colder version of the A's, but this definitely, um, I think, brought them some confidence and got them on the right track. And now they've got a solid four and a half game lead over the Astros and the ALS. So I don't think they can complain too much. Has the bullpen been a surprise? Because I knew they felt pretty good about the bullpen. And other than last night, last night they had the, you know, the hiccup. But for about two weeks, I mean, uh, if you look at, if you extrapolate the numbers out, it looks like their bullpen was either third or fourth in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, it's really been a key to what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think um, the bullpen is a weird, it's kind of like a weird thing to wrap your head around because last year they actually blew 30 saves. I believe it was like either tied or led the Major Leagues for most blown saves in the league. So it was like, I don't think anyone had really... Um, insanely high expectations for the bullpen this year, but they've kind of been the saving grace um, heading into last night's game. I think they had an ERA combined ERA under one. I think it was like 0.83 or something in that neighborhood. Um, so yeah, they've been really sturdy. Obviously last night um, gave up a couple runs to the angels, but, um, but Bob Melvin said that they were short staffed and obviously they've been relying on them a lot as like they try to get their starters stretched out and stuff. So um, so I think that that was kind of to be expected at some point, you know, they can't go on like this forever, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, they've definitely been a huge asset for them for sure. Yeah, Alex, you know, the, I think this is the, every, all the teams were thrown right into a pennant race and the A's have always traditionally done a great job uh, getting into the postseason, And then they've in recent years, last 10 to 12 years, sort of uh, Lost it's a heartbreaker, a tough way to go out in the postseason. But this year they're right in the pennant race from the from the start, and they've been playing well. Uh, but of course, uh, a little dust up a couple of night days ago at home with mm -hmm. Ramon Laureano uh, charging the uh, the bench there against the Astros. Now I know uh, 
a lot of teams want a piece of the Astros, right? I mean, they're not really happy with the way things have gone down in recent years with the Astros, but I don't think that had anything to do with this dust up. But what are your, what are your expectations now that the A's should be expecting a a suspension for Laureano and how that's going to affect the team? You know, it's really hard to say, um, to kind of predict exactly how long he'll be suspended for just because we don't have much precedent off to go off of aside from Joe who got eight games. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to gauge exactly how many games that they would miss, but he's, you know, one of their most consistent hitters. So, right. you know, any length of time I think would be, um, would have some significant co- consequences on their offensive production. Um, but, you know, they have a pretty, um, they have a, they have some pretty good like outfield depth. So they could just, right. Mark Canna played center field last year. Um, they could just slot him in there. You know, Chad Pinder is like a utility guy. You can kind of play anywhere. They could slot him in there and then use that extra roster spot for someone else. So, um, so I think that they'll, you know, they'll get by, but obviously it's not ideal having one of your hottest hitters like suspended yeah. of time. So, um, so yeah. In talk, in talking with um, Bob Melvin and the players, and I've, I've read, your stories on it um is there a sense that they're like loriano says that something was said about his mother by alex intron um but is there a little sense of regret i mean he's been like one of their most consistent hitters through the first three weeks of the season and he probably uh is kicking himself a little bit saying i can't let something that an opponent an opponent says says knowing that the punishments are going to be harsh uh, as rob manfred said they would be um, that's got to be, is there a little bit of regret there that he kind of let his emotions get carried away in that situation? And of course, he was hit for the third time in the series. The A's were hit five times. Loriano's hit three times. The A's didn't hit the Astros once. I mean, after a while, you just get fed up. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there is regret there just because everyone knows how valuable he is to the team. Um, and it really didn't have anything to do. I don't really think it had much to do with them. Um, with him getting beamed a bunch of times, they got hit five times in that series, but the Astros actually have 10 rookie pitchers or 10 rookies on their roster, I think, you know, and most of them are pitchers. So, and all the guys that were, you know, beaming the A's were rookie, rookie, you know, guys with like control issues who had just gotten kind of promoted because of this weird season and these weird yeah. circumstances and stuff. And Loriano acknowledged that when he talked to us. So it didn't seem like he was really bothered as much by the whole getting hit aspect of this. It seemed more driven by the comment that Cintrone made. Um, but even in that context, he, he was, re- you know, remorseful and regretted doing that just because he knows that now he's going to have to sit out some length of time, which we should probably hear about sometime this afternoon. I think what those yeah. uh, suspensions are. Sean, Sean Mania, um, I, I think everyone's kind of going, what's what's going on his command was way it's been way off for like two to three starts I mean he's just he he kind of doesn't know where it's going right now um I imagine that's something that's kind of being discussed yeah um it's kind of a bizarre you know bizarre thing to behold just because last September obviously he was um coming off of shoulder surgery, I think 14, 15 month rehab. And he looked great. You know, he was, um, he, I think had like a, for the month of September an ERA in the ones and, you know, he like impressed them enough to start the wild card game. And, um, 
And then, you know, spring training, his velocity was a little bit up. He looked good in spring training. And then all this stuff kind of interrupted his routine. And I think it just kind of begs the question, how did that affect a guy that's, you know, that had surgery like pretty recently and coming off rehab and, you know, even with the impressive September and stuff like that, um, you know, you kind of wonder like how that like interrupted routine impacted him. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, command is definitely an issue. A lot of people have been bringing up um, velocity with him, but it seems like, in my opinion, like his ability to locate is more of the, more of the issue there. Um, yeah. And then the weirdest part of this is just that he says he feels great. We talked to him last night and he said that, you know, last night when he went, you know, under less than three innings, gave up, I think, seven hits, four and runs. He said, um, like, physically, health-wise, he felt as good as he's felt. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those, like, the results aren't what he, they, what he wants them to be. But um, physically, things are, you know, mechanically, things are feeling right for him. So it's kind of just this weird puzzle that they have to solve and um yeah it's definitely definitely an issue for sure well it was it was nice to see Matt Chapman sort of break out of his early season uh situation or mini I wouldn't say a slump but he's gotten off to a slow start but last night he broke out with a couple of home runs and a huge night but it just wasn't quite enough to to hold on to the win but nice to see for him he's going to be obviously a huge factor in the in how far this team's going to be able to to go in the postseason. Mike and I have talked about it, Alex, on previous shows. I think this team is built to win in the postseason this year because it's kind of a crazy year and we have mm -hmm. these extra playoff teams and you've got that first round that's got to be a two out of a three. So the A's are not going to get into a one-gamer like they've always they've lost in the past in, in, into a one-game uh, do-or-die situation. So you know they're going to get into a, at least a two or best two out of three uh, and then move on from there. And I think they're built to win in the postseason in this type of mini mini short season environment, um, as long as they're at full strength and and, and Chapman's playing well, uh, uh, is that how do you feel about it? Their chances this year, Alex. I think I mean I think they're they have as good a shot to win it all as any team. You know they they've been eyeing this 2020 window for a long time, and that's basically because these rookie pitchers, you know AJ Puck and Jesus Lazardo, are finally ready to. Um, to really contribute for a full season, obviously like full with the caveat that that means 60 games in 2020. Um, and, you know, it's their last year before Simeon hits free agency. So it's kind of like we have this young core and these young pitchers that are ready to contribute. And then this, you know, this got this like superstar shortstop that's about to leave. And like, it's all kind of coming together at the same time. So um so yeah, they've been eyeing this window for a while. Um, obviously, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, I think honestly, a lot of it has to do with Manaya, like Manaya kind of being a reliable, um, you know, someone that they can rely on throughout the season. And right now, obviously, you know, he's, I think he hasn't even gone through five innings yet once in any of his starts. Yeah, he's going to be a huge factor down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. How, how important has Bassett been? Been yeah he's been good. yeah yeah he um you know he's just an invaluable piece for them because they can use him out of the bullpen they can use him out of the they can basically use him anywhere um and that's another reason why I think the A's are so well suited for this kind of season is that they've got so much versatility on their roster it's something that they really pride themselves on um 
you know, a lot of utility guys like Chad Pinder and, um, you know, Vimeo Machine and like, um, you know, these guys that Tony Kemp, these guys that they can like throw in the outfield, throw in the infield, like move around depending on what they need to do. And, you know, yeah. when something happens, like with Ramon, for example, it's not, um, it's not like a catastrophe because they already have this versatility in place. So, um, so Bassett fits into that mold too. You know, they can pretty much use him anywhere. Um, but he's looked great. I mean, Melvin's been singing his praises for a while and his below has been good. Um, you know, his last outing was fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I think that they're set up really well. The, uh, that, uh, that all being said, I, I think we all like the, the A's chances going into the playoffs this year. I feel like they're going to have a, a, a fantastic opportunity to win the West outright and not be a wild card team or a second place team where they've got an early lead here. So we're all excited about the way the A's are playing right now and the rest of this uh, shortened season. Real quick, Alex, why don't you, if you could, I know the uh, long-term situation in Oakland for the A's is they need a new ballpark. And uh, where do things stand right now as of today in, in your estimation with the uh, Howard Terminal Port and, and what's going on with the future of the, the A's stadium? Honestly, right now, um... The timeline has been pushed back. We don't really know how far it's been pushed back. Um, the A's were never going to like announce this, you know, on social media or with much, you know, you know, like they weren't going to come out and like not going to put out a press release, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No press releases. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they did update the timeline on the website, and now it doesn't give any, it doesn't give any firm, um, you know, firm date when they would break ground or when they're really shooting for they have to submit a draft of their EIR um, and they don't give a firm you know month or date for when they want to do that by either so it's just these deadlines that keep getting pushed back um, is the pushback because of the COVID or or, or other reasons um, they were actually these the EIR was getting pushed back pre-COVID and then COVID kind of like slowed it down a little bit more yeah. um, for obvious reasons but um but yeah, I, I felt like with this specific project, a lot of things had to go right before the pandemic and then yeah. the pandemic. And it's like, Ugh. like, how is this, you know, I, like as far as the timeline goes, I have, they were saying 2023 before and it's just like. Right. But ultimately, like, do, you, do you feel like that, that it will get done and that the A's will eventually end up at, at a new ballpark in that location? You know, is that still hard to say? It's kind of hard to say. Um, I still think a lot of things would have to go right. I personally don't think that this specific project will work. Um, mm. I had a, like, I was, you know, talking to a friend who's well-versed in this stuff the other day and he kind of like rattled off all the other projects that they had um, that, you know, all the other sites like Laney College, all these other like sites that they had tried to, um, to like build this ballpark on over the past couple years and how many of them hadn't even gotten past like the EIR phase. Right. And it's pretty jarring to like, see it like that, you know, mm. kind of like step one. So, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't really inspire like a vote of confidence. And obviously like Dave Cavill wasn't there for all those, like when all those sites were, you know, from day one, like when they started doing this, like however many years ago, um, but like, you know, when you fold in the pandemic, it just seemed like they had so little room for error before. Like it kind of makes, and so much has to go right with like Howard Terminal and they're already kind of being, you know, they're like 
lawsuits involved and stuff. And there's so many like obstacles, like there were so many obstacles entering like before the pandemic that it just kind of makes it hard for me to believe that this is viable once we factor in the pandemic. Yeah. I personally wow. think that they just like build on the Coliseum site, like either renovate the Coliseum or like, you know, cause they have this land with like plenty of parking and, you know, right right near a BART station. And to me, that makes the most, um, the most sense, but yeah, I'm not an expert. As someone who grew up in Alameda, I've always thought, man, put a ballpark at the Naval Air Station. That's like one fourth <laughs> of that island. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, hmm, but how are you going to get there? Uh, yeah. But it, it, there's all that in a place that we are looking for space and a lot of it. I mean, Alameda is an, an island and three fourths of it is residential. And then you got one fourth of it that's kind of just sitting there. But I know it is a uh, it's uh, probably got toxic waste because it's been a military facility and it's uh, it's a super fun site. So you probably have a ton of EIR issues with yeah. that site. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just me spitballing on that on that thought, man that'd be great you could overlook the bay you could it would be <laughs> the picturesque beyond the center field wall that'd be fantastic but yeah well we we really appreciate your coverage and enjoy your coverage out to yeah. the haze uh, on the athletic and of course uh, the website can be subscribed to theathletic.com uh, unbelievable coverage of all pro teams and, and college sports on the athletic. Alex Coffey, the beat writer of the A's. Before you go, Alex, I wanted to mention one story that caught my eye recently. You did on A's uh, coach, Marcus Jensen, uh, who, who uh, is a who treasures his grandfather's Negro League memories. His, his grandpa played in the Negro Leagues. He's a bench coach for the A's, but also uh, I'm familiar with Marcus. I was the press officer uh, for the United States Olympic baseball team in 2000 that was managed by Tommy Lasorda. And Marcus Jensen's a gold medalist on that team that won the gold medal. And, of course, uh, that game when the United States beat Cuba in 2000, managed by Tommy Lasorda, the gold medal game, former A's pitcher Ben Sheets with the huge uh, shutout victory over Cuba. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story, but Marcus was a catcher on that team along with former and uh, World Series MVP Pat Borders. Those are our two catchers on the squad, and they both have gold medals. Uh, I wrote the book on that, Mike, and Mike has it. He's familiar with the story, Miracle on Grass, that I wrote the book out, uh, available for on Amazon. But uh, that tie-in with Marcus, uh, Alex, um, I didn't know if you knew, knew that about him, that he was a gold medalist, but that, that story that you wrote about him and his history in the game and his grandfather's history in the Negro Leagues, I found very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting too, just because so often um, history in the Negro Leagues is hard to, um, it's not like we have this massive baseball reference type database to kind of chronicle or document these guys, right? You know, a lot of times if you go through the Negro Leagues, any Negro Leagues database or site, you know, you see their first name or their last name or an initial on their last name or a nickname, and it's all kind of record keeping was so bad back then, you know, and a lot of newspapers weren't covering these games that it's hard to kind of get an accurate sense of what was going on. Um, So to talk to him about that and kind of get like a real um, firsthand human, like human experience and hear how he's been trying to preserve his grandfather's legacy when there's really no documentation that his grandfather ever played, um, I thought was really interesting. All he has is this one photograph. And one picture, yeah. 
that his grandpa taught him and, you know, told him growing up and stuff. And, um, but he's made a lot with them, you know, he tries to mention it as many times as he can. So yeah, it was a cool well, story. That's awesome. As, as he should, as he should. Yeah. Well, Alex, we really appreciate your time here on the Nutrient Baca show. Thank you so much for joining us. Your work is uh, fantastic covering the A's and uh, be sure to follow Alex on the athletic and her Twitter feed as well for her stories and coverage on, on uh, the Oakland A's as they continue on in this COVID uh, baseball season here in 2020. Uh, really appreciate it, Alex. Thanks so Thanks, much. Alex. Keep up the great work. Thanks for having me on, guys. All appreciate right. it. Have a great afternoon. You too. Subscribe to The Athletic, everybody. Yes. Yes, because it's, it's fantastic. And her work is great. Um, every single, you know, that she has a story on the A's like every day. If they play every day, she yeah. has a story on it. She's, uh, I don't know whether she's watching the games from home and then gets on the Zoom call to do the pressers, but it yeah. sounds like kind of how they're doing it. That is. Um, it's got to be odd, huh, Baca? I mean, we, we've yeah. been in media our whole lives, and, and to think that you got to be a beat writer for a team that you have to watch the games on TV now, both home and road games, yeah. Um, and then, you know, how difficult has it got to be to say you want to, I mean, you want to talk to three or four or five different players after the game, but then they're not being offered to you on a Zoom call. And then let's say they only bring in one guy. That's got to be tough, man. I mean, the way yeah. these reporters are doing their jobs nowadays is just uh, under unbelievable circumstances to try to get quotes or talk to these guys the way they want to. It's got to be tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but it's part of the, it's part of the deal. Um, yeah. I think, I think the radio broadcasters are do and TV guys are doing a great job because they're actually doing it from the home ballpark right in the, uh, in the press box. And then if the games are home, they go to the studio of their uh, broadcast groups and do it. They don't even do it from. So from if the there. game is at their, their stadium, they, they, they got to go to a studio. They can't be in the ballpark. I believe, then I believe, I believe they're in a studio. I, wow. I, um, I, yeah, because I've seen, you know, the Kruk and Kite from the Giants uh, games covering you know, their road trip right now. Uh, speaking of the Giants, and, and they're, they're sitting in Oracle Park, an empty Oracle Park broadcasting, and they're each in separate booths, too. They're not even in the same booth. Yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of the Giants, um, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up the show today again with our quick thoughts here on uh, Giants and Dodgers right now, the National League West. Uh, you know, you guys are in the lead uh, or, or right behind the Rockies, I will say. I mean, I don't know if I anticipate the Rockies to remain there the rest of the National League West standings the rest, these last 40-some-odd uh, games. I anticipate the Dodgers will take that over. Um, what is your, what's your take quickly on, on how the Dodgers have played in the last week? Uh the Giants oh, no. are wishy-washy. Well, they're, they're doing, I mean, I, the Padre series was great down in San Diego. I thought they did a great job there. Um, I, I just, I, I mean, they needed heroics to win a series. To win a Giants. series against us. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, almost um, took two out of three from, which would have been four out of seven. Yeah, it's, just, it's just not, it's just, it's sitting wrong. I, I just, I, uh, they're not hitting uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, Cueto had a uh, no-hitter going Muncie, against you guys. Muncie's, and the, uh, not, Muncie's not hitting. Uh, Bellinger's not hitting. If it weren't for A.J. Pollock, they'd probably be a 500 team. He's had a ton of big hits for this team. Mookie Betts has been fantastic. But um, it 
right now they're just kind of they're kind of there. Uh, I, I don't I'm, think they're hitting on all I'm, cylinders. No, I'm still a little concerned about uh, Dave Roberts and the decision making. Um, yeah. It's just kind of. Uh, he says last night after the game, when asked, "Is Dustin May going to be in the starting rotation moving forward?" The answer to that question, if you are in charge of your organization, is yes. Right now, he's our best pitcher. Yes. He says, you know, we're going to have to see where everything shakes out when everyone gets healthy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's not a hard question yeah. to answer. Right. He's your best pitcher right now, Dustin May. So why are we having this deliberation about whether he's going to be in the rotation or not? We, of course, know he's going to be in the rotation. But when Dave Roberts answers a question like that, it lends itself to the thought that we're all sitting here going, okay, he's not making any decisions. He's not, he's filling out lineups. He's getting a text from Friedman. I mean, that's where all this comes from. Yeah, because exactly. He can't... And that's how they operate down there. That's how they operate. It's got to be frustrating for you. I mean, the Giants, on the other hand, Baca, we went down there losing three out of four from the Rockies in a, in a just, I, I, can't, I hate when, the, when, when we've got to play in Colorado, it's just a band box and, and it's so hard to win games up there. You could be up seven to one in the ninth and lose, but uh, with our pitching staff, we just, we, we were lucky we got one out of the four up there. And then we went down to LA and won the second game, beat Kershaw uh, with behind Cueto's no hit through five innings. And then Pence loses a fly ball to break, to, to, to give Kike Hernandez a triple to break up the no hitter. And then Turner had the only real hit of the entire night for you guys, a three run Homer. We hang on to win that game five, four, and we were winning the next night uh, before Pollock's three run Homer in the sixth or seventh inning. Um, I was surprised that we hung with the Dodgers four out of seven times. And, and uh, you know, now we we've gone and we went to came to Houston last night and just a, a, an awful game defensively and, didn't get a hit till the sixth or seventh inning off of uh, McCullers. And, and, and this is the way that the Giants just do not have any defense. The defense has been horrendous. They've led the, they lead major league baseball in errors. And the starting, you know, the, the bullpen has not been great. Starting pitching has been okay. But the, the thing that, 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 that I'm encouraged about with the Giants right now is Yastrzemski and Solano. I mean, Donnie Barrels is, is second in the league in, in hitting. This guy came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, uh, he's fantastic. He's, he he's uh, the real deal. I mean, I think he's in his early 30s, and the guy just hits and hits, and he barrels stuff up. Um, broke. I mean, I got to tell you, it's the first time in my life in recent memory yeah, that uh, I'm, I'm pulling for the Giants because I hate the Astros so much. Right. So I'm like, hey, come on, Giants. Do the, do the world a favor. Beat yeah. these guys. And I look up in the sixth inning, and you're getting no hit yep. by one of by, the biggest bat mouths on that team in Lance McCullers Jr. And I'm yeah, like, it was brutal. You've got to be kidding me. The one time I'm going to pull for the Giants and they're losing, getting no hit. I'm like, yeah, well, don't it. worry. We're going to, we're going to bounce back for you tonight and tomorrow and here in Houston and uh, see if we can get, get a couple on the Astros here. They have not been playing well, Baca, but we played an awful game last night. Dodgers last night, Dodgers last night, up one, nothing bases loaded, nobody out. They got the Padres on the ropes. 
Beatty strikes out, and Rios hits a screamer to first that Hosmer catches and steps on first for a double play. Bases loaded, nobody out. Dodgers don't score. Mm. And then the pads put a run on the board in the fifth on a Hedges homer and then uh, get a big two-out knock in the sixth. And uh, that was it, two to one. The offense, yeah. Bellinger, I, I, I just uh, – I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I, I yeah. I, just don't know, I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I mean, Clay, is Bellinger awful. is a guy that everybody's got question marks about coming off the huge year last year as an MVP. I got Pete Alonzo has done absolutely nothing for for New, the New York Mets after leading baseball with 53 home runs last year. Finally, Acuna woke up and had a huge day the other day, but he has done literally almost nothing prior to that after he had a, in a doubleheader against the Phillies, he hit three bombs. Um, but then, uh, you know, in the West, Baca, I do like the Padres. I think they're, they're an up-and-coming team if they're, if they're going to hang around this, this, this extended playoff situation this year. I actually like San Diego's chances to get through it, the 60 games in playoff position, better than Colorado's. I think Colorado is just a – they've gotten off to a nice start, but – they're, they're going to fade, and, and that's a tough place to play half your games up there uh, in Colorado. I don't know about their pitching. Um, so I think L.A. and San Diego are going to be both right there. Uh, I, I like the Padres, don't you? I, mean, I, you like the their ro- I like their roster. I like their roster. I like how young they are. Tatis is quickly becoming one of the great, great players in the game. Um, we got a taste of it last year. Already has hit eight bombs in like 18 games. I love their bullpen. If you watch their games closely, they bring power arm after power arm after power arm after power arm out of that bullpen. I mean, mm. it is nothing but 98 with fuzz from the sixth inning on with the Padres. And when you can throw out Chris Paddock and Lamette, I mean, they, they got two frontline guys. Lamette's big time. Paddock yeah. is not even pitching that well right now. I mean, I love the Padres. I like what they're doing. Um, I think they're going to push the Dodgers for that division title. I agree with you. I think the Rockies will fade a little bit. But um, I think the Dodgers will play better. But I'm sitting there. I'm looking at the Padres. They were about, you know, half mile back in the rearview mirror like two years ago. Like, oh, man, these guys are going to be good in about four years. Yeah. Last year, they were quick. They were kind of, you know, objects in mirror are closer than they appear. <laughs> and yeah. And now they're like right on my bumper, on your and, bumper? I gotta be, and I'm like, quit tailgating me. I mean, they're, yeah. they're right there, man. They are right there. And Arizona, dude, I, I just, oh. uh, they're, they're, they've got players. They just cannot put it together. Um, Mad Bum, I think, is going on the IL. He is, you know what, as a Giants fan, Mike, I will always love Madison Bumgarner. He will be a, a, a one of the heroes uh, you know, as a Giants fan for us forever. I mean, uh, e- arguably the greatest postseason pitcher of our lifetime, and regardless of anybody, if you look at the numbers and helping us win three World Series titles and what he did against Kansas City in 2014 was uh, phenomenal. F- but uh, I think, you know, that dirt bike accident in Colorado a couple years ago messed with his left shoulder enough that he's just never been the same to me. And he wasn't the last couple years, wasn't the same type of dominant shutout guy the last couple years with the Giants. I wasn't all that uh, heartbroken when we didn't re-sign him, if I'm being honest, because I just saw the, the, 
the downward trend of his ability. Uh, and then, you know, he goes to Arizona and this year has just been abysmal. Uh, he's getting three starts. He's getting lit up. I mean, he's just, lit he's not up. just getting, he's not just getting like, Oh, like uh, I gave up three ground balls and a bleeder and gave up three runs. I mean, they're hitting balls 450 feet. Um, was it five or six bombs in three innings against San yeah. Diego the other night? Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is where Giants fans, they are furious. There's a lot of them still, Nooch, that are furious at Zaidi for not re-signing Mad Bum. Well, Yet, I'm not. They won't look, but, well, they're not, they're not looking at his numbers, but those same people need to be called out because Zaidi did what the previous regime didn't do with Brandon Belt, and then they misread Cueto and Samarja yes. and Melanson and all of those disastrous contracts that the previous regime signed, Zaidi refused to. And he basically is saying, right. I, I, hey, I respect what he's done for this organization, but we're going to give him a dollar amount. And if he can find something higher elsewhere, it's just not going to happen here. Because I wish, yeah. I wish more than anything, Baca, they would have done taken that same approach with, with oh my God, the Belt and Crawford situations. Um, and, and, and Shark, if he ever throws another pitch for us this season, he's done after this year. And, and as far as I'm concerned, the Shark can be on the IL the rest of this year and to just give him his money and say, hey, thanks for your service. You're done. There's no reason to run the shark out there anymore. We got younger guys that can pitch. You're playing in a, in a, in a rebuilding year. There's no reason to run him out there. And, 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 and Longoria contract too is it's just, it, it, it was one of those that they took on that was just like his, his peak is over it's and over. they're paying the guy like $60 million over the next like three, four years. And he's going to fill up a roster spot and he's going to take 15 to 17 million of, payroll and he's not even close to what he was before before we go and i know we're wrapping up i have to yeah. say this about the hunter pence play in left field i saw a ton of criticism about pence and uh, no hitter that cueto had and pence losing the ball in the dusk anyone who's played baseball mm -hmm. and especially has played outfield position there is a there is a time especially on the west coast during there's about an eight to ten minute stretch of time in yeah. almost every ballpark where any ball that is hit in the air is very difficult to see. And at Dodger Stadium, you've seen it a ton of times. So I know Hunter Pence feels he should have caught it. Giants fans, though, there has been such an unrealistic reaction on Twitter and on social media on Hunter Pence. He did not misjudge the fly ball. He didn't even he see it. He never saw the fly ball. He never ball. saw it. And if you it, played baseball, if, it happens. Play, if you play baseball and you're an outfielder, it happens to everybody, right? everybody. And so I don't think he should take the shoulder much of the blame. It was an unfortunate circumstance. He Listen, didn't see it. Yeah. 99 out of 100 outfielders would just like I, not get it off the bat. And so I, I, I give him a pass on that. And I thought it was unfair criticism for sure. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, Baca, if it wasn't a no-hit bid at that time, in a 5 nothing yeah. game, if it, if it wasn't – if the Dodgers had had a hit before, you wouldn't even be talking about it. The guy lost the ball in the, in the, in the dusk. 
So what? Yeah. They got they win the game five to four. Everybody moves on. But because it broke up a no hitter, everyone's all up in arms about it. And I agree with you. I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. I, I didn't really feel like Cueto was going to throw a no hitter that night anyway. I mean, he was in the sixth inning. He was probably near the end of his tank. We probably had to, would have been a combined no hitter. I probably don't want to see Cueto with a no hitter trying to go the whole way in a game his third start of the year and blow out his arm. Um, so I didn't think it was that big a deal. And uh, it would probably, you know, Turner ended the no hit bid three batters later anyway. Uh, he, so it, it, I agree with you, but before we go, as we wrap things up here, Bach, I just remember uh, what, it, what you were saying about the Longo and the belt contracts and these long contracts realize that Mookie Betts will not be Mookie Betts in 10 years. And you still got in 10 years, you still got him for his last three. Whatever the case may be, you're going to remember this. No, there's no you're going to get 38-year-old Mookie Betts at the end of this deal. I totally disagree. There is no correlation between the contracts that you signed with Belt and Crawford and uh, inheriting the Longo contract. There is no correlation between those contracts and Mookie Betts. We signed Mookie Betts, and he is still a peak top three baseball player in baseball. I'm just talking about the last ladder back end of it. I love your first eight years of Mookie Betts. It's going to be great. Hey, if I'm doing this with like four World Series trophies or two World Series trophies, I don't care. If you bring me that, then you live with it. But just, you know, these guys at near age 37, 38, I mean, Pools is an example. All these guys are not nearly productive no. at, after the age of 35, Baca. But those not contracts, nearly. You're, com- you're comparing the wrong – Pujols was not at his peak anymore, and the Angels gave him $275 million. He was on the downward slope. No, no. I, I'm not criticizing your slope. contract. Belt was on the downward slope. Mookie Betts has four more years, five more years of being a peak – baseball player yes i get and that i agree he may tail off a little bit and in years 10 11 and 12 who knows what the salary structure is going to be like in major league baseball for one and for two i don't think any dodger fan expects mookie Betts to be the impact player in the last three years of his contract what we do expect is for him to be an electrifying top three player in the league for the next five to six years that's what they're paying that's where you get the value yeah for. it is and and um, I get it. I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm all with you there too. What I'm just saying is the back end of these long, long, long-term yeah. deals are very frustrating for fans sometimes when you have to live with paying guys $25, $30 million to come, come play for you on your team. And they got to have a roster spot and they got to be in the big leagues and they got to play when their production is way down from what you're used to. And I understand, I get what you're saying. If you guys get eight to 10 out of Mookie and win a couple rings, it's all irrelevant. And that's, and that's, uh, you know, that's what we're saying. You know, that's what Giants fans are saying. I mean, we won it three times and we're living with Belt and Crawford now and, and the way, the way we had to sign those guys. So, so but see, we live but with here's, it. Here's where I believe there's a completely different view on, on all of that. You guys didn't have to sign those guys. You chose to sign them on well, the they were rewarding. Well, con- they were rewarded contracts. You don't pay someone for what they've done for you. You pay them for what you're go- they're going to do for you. And that's why exactly. Bobby Evans That's why and Bobby Evans no longer is the GM. That's why Bobby Evans is no longer employed. Yeah. Exactly that, right. 
and I, and I and I hated the deals at the time because they they did it not, with more than a couple of guys. Yeah. But you know, the, you know, they gave Scudero a deal right after he helped us win the World Series. Numerous guys that here's a thank you contract for helping us win it two or three times. You know, but at the end of the day, yeah. uh, we will take the rings, Baca. Believe me, I'll take the three rings and sit here and complain about Belt and Crawford and everybody else right now, and I'll smile about it. I'm happy. We're good. And, and it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, like you said, if Mookie delivers you – actually, if he delivers you one, one, it'll be worth it. One ring. One ring. One ring. I just you need to get off the schneid, my friend, since 88. That's yeah. going to do it for today's Nooch and Baca show. Everybody, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to, uh, again to Alex Coffey, the athletic, for joining us here. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you uh, – Next week on the Anuch and Baca show, make sure to tune in and subscribe, Baca. Have your friends subscribe on YouTube and Apple iTunes podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can catch us just by searching the Nooch and Baca show. Thanks again, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, Nooch. Hey, could you pl- guys please, please beat the Astros, please? please. Uh, yeah. Tonight, please. we'll try to get a W in there for you. But one time in my life, I'm pulling for the Giants, and you guys almost get no hit. What the heck? (laughs) All right, man. Have a great night. Night.